Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I was about to say, for those of you who don't know me, but obviously you already <laughs> do, you're saying my name. I'll be leading today's service while Sarah is taking a well-deserved break and she'll be back next week. And I'd like to welcome you all here to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians, where we meet each Sunday and at different times during the week, young and old, tall and short, certain in our beliefs and yet to decide. We come with our whole selves, our cultural heritage, our worries and woes, our joys and celebrations, here to this place to connect with others, connect with ourselves and connect to something far greater than our own being. So come, let us worship together, finding meaning in our lives, a sense of community, and a pathway to the deeper truths inside. We'll light our chalice, our worldwide symbol of our liberal faith, and I'm going to ask Natasha to light it along with two candles on our Advent wreath for the second week of Advent. Lighting this chalice, we partake in the tradition of our faith. Lighting this flame as a beacon in the darkness and a light of hope for all to share. May its flame burn brightly with the passion to help shape us shape and create a world full of justice, understanding and love. We now have a little reflection on Italian traditions around this time of the year from Greta representing our children's group before we enter into our own tradition of lighting candles of joy and concern. In Italy, there are many traditions. One of the most important is during Christmas time. On the 8th of December is a tradition to set up the presepio and the Christmas tree. The presepio represents small statues regarding Jesus' birth with the Holy Family and the baby Jesus in the stable. <coughs> a special prayer service and church worship begin eight days before Christmas. This service is called Novena and it lasts for nine days. An important tradition is the Midnight Mass, which is held by Pope Francis. As an old tradition, no food is eaten during the 24 December, as this is a fast day. The festive celebrations start often Midnight Mass. Nowadays, Babbo Natale, Father Christmas, brings presents to children. This is all celebrated with the traditional panettone. Both the presepio and the tree are put away in the evening of the next year on January the 6th. The Anthony Day. Buon Natale. Thank you, Greta. And also for bringing the wonderful panettone. Fantastic. We can share that later. <laughs> So let's 
take some of those, those themes as we turn inwards in the spirit of prayer. As we sit here, maybe moving beyond a sense of ourselves towards a caring and compassion for those people, places or things in our world. We reach out, out to something bigger, something beyond. And although we may not have the words to name who or what we pray to, we do it sincerely. Spirit of life and love, be with us in this time as people suffer, as parents grieve, as violence rages. Be with us who feel the pain of loss, who feel anger at injustice. Stand with the oppressed and change the heart of the oppressor. For we know that both are joined in their humanity, no matter how often we forget it. And as we turn further inwards now, let us here send our own loving thoughts and silent prayers to those people and places in our world who need it today. God of all compassion and love, help us remember the hope we had, the hope we have, and the hope we will have. Help us remember joy in the midst of sadness, success in the midst of challenge, and good things in the midst of bad. Help us to be better people, to work for better things, and to create a better world. Amen. We now have two more reflections on the traditions of home. The first written and read by Sophie about Swedish traditions, and the second about memories of Christmas traditions in Germany, written and read by Michaela. Morning everyone. Um, I spent the last 10 years here living in London and I still celebrated Christmas in Sweden every year. And um, in Sweden you celebrate on the 24th and you do nothing on the 25th. That's like the day of rest and maybe you go for a walk. And every family who celebrates Christmas in Sweden, they do it their way depending on their 
relatives, families, influences. And um, what you do is really like up to your own, own choice. And we are, the Swedes are very secular. I think they say that you are, the Swedes are the most secular society in the world. Um, but still, there are a few things that connects everyone. It's nothing to do with your background or religion. Um, and one of the most important things that starts in the end of November is the Christmas smurgos board. And if you imagine just an enormous table of tapas, Spanish tapas, but you bring whatever you want to it. And the tradition in Sweden, you eat a lot of herring, a lot of other fish, some ham, some vegetarian choices. And in my family, we have, in my wider family, we have some Norwegian and uh, Spanish influences. So you have food from Norway and food from Spain on that smorgasbord. And for sure, you're not going to be hungry on Christmas Eve. And another thing that I notice is that more and more restaurants are putting on these enormous smorgasbord before Christmas. So there's a big risk that you're going to be really tired of Christmas food on Christmas Eve. So I've been very, when I lived in Sweden, I was really conscious about this. So I tried to avoid to eat too much Christmas food before Christmas. Um, and everyone, like quite often in the families, you are responsible for certain things. And you bring your own specialities to the Christmas smorgasbord. And one of my specialities has been lemon meatballs. I've been very proud of them. Um, so what we have in common with lots of other countries is you eat a lot, you have a Christmas tree, and you have the gifts. Um, and then we have something which is very unique for Sweden, which is happening at three o'clock on Christmas Eve in, during the day. And it's called Donald Duck and his friends. So the Swedish television, uh, they have a program which is, yes, they bring like along some Cinderella stories, Snow White stories, maybe there's a new Disney movie. Put these together in a one hour long program. And it's the most popular TV show in Sweden. <laughs> and you have 10 million inhabitants at the moment. And I would guess there's 4 million people watching this at 3 o'clock Christmas Eve every year. And um, uh, <laughs> you are like planning Christmas around this, the Donald Duck and his friends. So you have before Donald and after Donald. <laughs> and it's really, if you would, in a family where you had this tradition, if you would suggest that we're not going to watch it every year, you're going to have a lot of people don't like you. <laughs> and um, it's quite funny with fake news and the internet. We have had a lot of stories about fake news and the internet in this year. And uh, Donald Duck in Sweden has been also exposed to fake news quite a few times. And they often invent that there's a certain person suggesting that they should you know, ditch Donald Duck and do something else. Like maybe Swedish stories would fit better than these American stupid stories. And these people who have been exposed to this, one of them was the, Christ, uh, the Christian Democrat party leader. And she got so much hate on the internet and they sort of told her, this is like withdrawing Jesus from the Christmas thing and not having Donald Duck. And it's a very emotional thing. Um, and it's been running for over 40 years. And I think it's going to be quite impossibly to replace this culture with something else. Where we, uh, how could you say, like we associate it so closely with Christmas. And it's like dividing the day, the pre 
like the pre thing and the after thing. So <laughs> anyway, except eating a lot, we also watch Donna Duck in Sweden. Thank you. I think it's amazing how Sophie's and my contributions definitely date me. Um, because these are memories from a very early childhood that I'm going to talk about. But I must make a little comment first, and that is, according to German custom, that is not an advent tree. It has four candles that have already been started and lit before. In Germany, we start with an advent wreath decorated with four new candles, one more to be lit on each of the four Advent Sundays. Symbolizing this time of extraordinary impatience. Passing. Not very quickly. Helping us as children to see, see time move towards my reading, dreadful, towards the passionately awaited joy of Christmas and the turning of the year. Ours, of course, was a post-war home and an awareness, I think now, of transgression and the need for forgiveness latently filled this particular time for the adults, responding to the metanoito of the Christian Advent service, which means turn around, do something different, reflect, think about what has happened, and that includes your sins as well as your good deeds. Um, but for, for us children, we were made aware that the fullness of Christmas depended on us, on being good, whatever that meant. <laughs> A time when the adults very effectively insisted on this, this condition for making Christmas happen. I remember happy anticipation mixed with quite a lot of anxiety. What if we weren't good enough? A perennial question, I should think, started very early on in my case. This was a time of actual scarcity and the tradition of putting a slipper outside the bedroom door for Santa to leave tokens of Christmas coming was really exciting. So exciting that my sister and I decided one night to give Santa a chance to leave more for us than just a biscuit or a sweet. And we stuck my grandfather's enormous boots where the slippers had been, and in the morning, probably extra early, rushed to see the hoped-for harvest. But nothing but a stick for beating bad children was sticking in the boot. I tell you, it was an unforgettable warning against transition transgression, greed, overstepping the mark, going beyond what was possible and acceptable. I think that was very typical for my generation. Nevertheless, 
the night of the 6th of December, which was St. Nicholas night, a large plate full of fruit and sweet things and dates and figs appeared where the slippers and the boots had been. So we were not punished for that transgression beyond what already was indicated in that stick. Another way that the, the, I must say that the adults aware of this burning impatience and barely being able to wait helped us out was by giving us a Christmas calendar and we opened the daily doors and saw time passing. <coughs> so, looking back, I remember Advent as a time of having to manage fierce passions of wanting and quite gentle rituals for easing this fierce anticipation and the uncertainty that came with not quite knowing, an invitation to go inside and re review whether we were worthy and deserved what we were longing for. On one level, this upped the, pr the pressure, of course, towards perfection. Hmm. But it also concretized the reality that we are all made up of darkness and light, like the season. The days still shorten, but only to bring us closer to the return of the light, whether we deserve it or not. The miracle of renewal happens of its own accord. A nature's culture resides in the hearts and in the soul of its people. So said Mahatma Gandhi. And this is true of the traditions which people follow making up the cultural nation in which they reside. And whether religious or secular at this time of year, these traditions are so prevalent around the globe. Customs, beliefs and practices passed down from generation to generation can help cement a family's and community's sense of identity, worth and value for who they are. We've heard from others today, from Greta, Sophie and Michaela, about different customs which have graced their lives and countries of origin. And here at Essex Church, we practice our own traditions at this time of year, drawing on the Chris Christian tradition of lighting the annual Advent candles, whether we see it as an Advent wreath or not, <laughs> and our carol and Christmas Eve services, often followed by eating food together in some form or another. And also here, we acknowledge the solstice and other spiritual or religious festivals in both large and small ways over the winter time. When I was younger, 
one of our family traditions that we had was to collect holly and ivy from the wooded areas near the beginning of December. And we'd bring it home and staple it to the wooden beams throughout the house. Not only decorating our home, but doing it in an earth-centered way. And although I don't do that anymore, partly due to not living in a beamed thatched cottage, this sense of tradition has stayed with me in my affiliation to earth-centered spirituality. So nowadays I prefer to mark the winter solstice date of the 21st instead of marking the 25th of December. I think back to Christmas traditions which were part of my life even more recently and of going to a certain family member for dinner each year. This was the thing that we all did. But one year though, I chose to spend Christmas Day by myself. And I had a nice walk and it was very quiet and peaceful outside. And I even bumped into a lady, I, I think she was from the States actually, who'd been waiting at a bus stop for ages and I explained to her that there's no transport today and, and I think she was quite pleased to see me, otherwise she might still be here to this day. <laughs> Although it was nice having that day, I was also aware of a slight nagging thought in my head, stating that I should be with others that day and to not be meant that I had no friends or family. And of course, this was not true, but there is a huge worldwide tradition of going home for Christmas. And I can't help but think and connect that to the nativity story I was told year after year as a child, of Mary going with Joseph back to the ancestral town of Bethlehem for the census. And what's intriguing for me is that, apart from the historical link, they didn't have any current connection there, so it probably wasn't a place that they considered home for themselves. Sheridan Voicey, a writer, speaker, and broadcaster of faith and spirituality, wrote a blog considering this theme of home not necessarily being where you were brought up. And in these following extracts, he speaks about returning to Brisbane with his wife, Merrin, and reflecting on the memories he had of growing up there. He writes, I was struck by something. Even with all these experiences, Brisbane didn't feel like home for me, and it never had. In some ways, I've been searching for home for some time. It wasn't until Merrin and I moved to Sydney that I truly felt at home. Home is a place of belonging. It's where you can be yourself and be loved for it. In this sense, Friends and family are home for me, and God is home for me. I can feel a sense of home praying in a hotel far away, because wherever he is, home is. 
he goes on to say, but home is also a place of becoming. It's a place that challenges us to grow and share our God-given gifts with the world. This is what Sydney gave me that Brisbane didn't. And I think he highlights that point very well, that home isn't necessarily where you were brought up. And also, just as importantly, home doesn't have to be your family of origin. It can be your friends, your partner, your pets, anywhere or with whoever you want. Although for many, visiting and staying with relatives over the festive season can be joyous and celebratory, connecting and reconnecting with loved ones they haven't seen for a long time, catching up with news and enjoying food, drinks and gifts together. For others, the idea is something that they dread for countless reasons, but they feel that they have no ability to say, sorry, I decided not to come for Christmas this year. So they go to keep the peace out of obligation, expectation, and with building resentment. These are the traditions which, for some individuals, can benefit from tweaking. June Thomas, who's the online magazine editor of Slate's LGBTQ section, made a point of sharing her own experience of changing this custom for herself. She writes, They say there's no place like home for the holidays, but I beg to differ. I haven't gone home for Christmas in 30 years. The first time I stayed away from the family home in Northern England, it was because I was in graduate school in America and I couldn't afford the plane ticket home. The next year, I had a chance to spend the season with my American girlfriend's relatives in Germany and it was too exciting an opportunity to pass up. Explaining those first absences to my parents made for tough and emotional conversations. But I'm glad we did it. Families seldom have explicit discussions about when it's time to end family traditions, but those talks proved use provided useful clarity. And as she highlights, it can be easier said than done. When people want to break from tradition, they can encounter resistance both internally and externally. And the first step to working with this inner and outer resistance is by becoming clear in ourselves about what we want to change, why we want to change it, and what we want to do differently. So tying in with the article about tradition in our own winter newsletter, 
I invite you to spend a few moments in silent personal reflection now, if you wish to. And I have four questions which I'll ask one at a time and I'll leave a few moments silence in between each. And when I ask them, notice what comes to you, what thoughts, senses or ideas. And you don't have to share what came to you unless you want to over tea and coffee. And feel free, as I said, it's, it's optional. Um, feel free to just have your own different thoughts if you wish. So take a moment to settle. And here are the questions. Firstly, what traditions do you follow at this time of the year? Secondly, how do they benefit and serve you? Thirdly, are there any adjustments to that tradition or those traditions you could make this year so that they better suit and reflect who you are and what you believe? And lastly, are there any traditions you've outgrown and you can allow yourself not to participate in this year? And if so, what might you do instead? You may find other kind of thoughts and ideas come up during the day or the week ahead. So thank you for those of you who participated in that. In my own example of taking a Christmas day by myself away from visiting the family, that experience enabled me to then choose wholeheartedly when and with whom I share family time and celebrations with. I still visit that relative sometimes at Christmas and at other times during the year, but it means more to me as I visit through choice, not through a sense of expectation and obligation. And this allows me to fully enjoy the time we spend together. 
We need tradition. But we also need to know when it's holding us back, stagnating our growth, stifling our thinking, and moving us away from the truth of who we are as both individuals, families, and communities. So this festive season, let us all share in traditions of the places, communities, and people which we call home, which help strengthen the best of whom we are. And as Sheridan Boise wrote, which help us share our gifts with the world. So may it be. Amen. As we leave here today, moving back into the world of hustle and bustle, Christmas shopping and excited children, let us hold on to the things revealed within here. That through this season, may whatever and whichever tradition we partake in bring us closer to the place of our integrity and shine the truth of who we are out into the world. Go in peace and blessed be. Amen.